You made me cry when you said goodbye. Ain't that a shame? My tears feel like rain. Ain't that a shame? You the one to blame. You broke my heart when you said. We'll part Hello and welcome to the Chiefs Bros Podcast. Uh, this is the first podcast we've ever done when the Chiefs have been a losing record team. I'm sorry to say. Is that true? It is. I think it has to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, so in it's case you fun. in case you haven't been paying attention this season, um I've got some bad news for you. The Chiefs have a losing record. Yeah. The Chiefs are on a losing streak. The Chiefs are the last place in the AFC West. Yes. Um, Patrick Mahomes has thrown two boneheaded touchdown, uh, interceptions in the last two weeks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One of those was the wind. <laughs> Aided by the wind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I have an excuse for the other one, too, if I can remember it. Well, yeah, you've got to have excuses ready for quarterback interceptions. Uh, there's reasons that they don't count. So are we just like front-loading this podcast with all the ne- negativity? Is that Trying what we're doing to, now? yeah. This is a bit of an exorcism. You know, go ahead and get it out of the way so we can talk about the future. So we'll start off like nice and low mm-hmm. and sad, mm-hmm. and then we'll build our way up to... Maybe some optimism? I'm just trying to ground people in where we're at, because it's been a while since the Chiefs have been this destitute. Oh, destitute? Come yes. on now. We're, we're I think that's sub-500 last-place division cellar-dweller team. Y- yes. If you subscribe to the, you know, you are who your record says you are, then we're a pretty bad team right now. Okay, so under that logic, our record says that we're the same as uh, pretty bad teams. Yes, that's a nice segue into a little game I would like to start off with. Mm, this um, sounds fun. It's not really a game. It's more of just me saying some things. But that's what a podcast. I is, do yes. have a point I want to make here. Okay. So again, we're the the point of this is to start off nice and low, so that we can build ourselves up towards the end. So we're going to start off low. Yeah, stick with us, please. We promise this yeah, will be an it will get podcast better. at some it, point. It will get better. Okay, so here are the a list. Of teams, not all inclusive, but just a selected list of teams that have the same record as the Chiefs currently. It's, cur- so. it's curated for maximum depression. Yes. Okay. So um, we start off with some teams that aren't so bad. Mm-hmm. So again, these are record or these are teams who have the same record as the Chiefs, is, one and two. Yeah. Okay. One and two. So we start with the Patriots. Hey. Okay. They're pretty good. Yeah. So it used to be Steelers. Yeah, Steel Curtain. Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, they won a bunch of yeah. Super Bowls. They're going to come back. Uh, the Seahawks. Ooh, what? Yeah. Seahawks Russell lost. Wilson. Yeah. Oh, boy. One and two. These are some great coach-quarterback combos that we're getting out here. They are. Yeah. Um, what a great gonna, great company to be in. It's going to get worse, though. <laughs> um, next up, we have the Dolphins. Hey, two, hey. two uh, played, right? He's pretty good. Uh, actually, they had Jacoby Brisket today. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it, obviously. Yes. Um, oh boy, here we go. This is kind of the the downward roller coaster here. Washington football team, Bears, mm. Vikings, mm. and here it gets rough. Falcons and the Texans. Hold on now. So what you're telling me here is that the Chiefs have the same overall record 
as the team with an underqualified coach and down to like their fourth string quarterback. Yes. That's not great news. No. That's nice and rock bottom, I think. Uh, we have a bonus round C- here. Certainly, yeah. Certainly all the teams who, are, who have better records are very deserving and have just as promising, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> about that. So here are the teams that have a record that is better than the Chiefs. So 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. uh, We start off with the AFC West. Mm-hmm. So Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers. Blah. Gross. The undefeated Raiders and Broncos, I think is what you mean to say. I did not mean to say that, actually. Mm. Um, you could have. And then three more here. and these, these really hurt. So these are teams that have better records than the Chiefs right now. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals. Carolina Panthers and the Cowboys slash Eagles, depending on how tonight goes. It's a regular murderer's row right there. So that's just kind of a little like state of the franchise right now. So <laughs> just, yeah, just under where we're at. Under Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. We are Logic. worse than the Bengals. We're yeah, we're in rough shape. Yeah. Same that as the said, Texans. That said, uh, I guess now we can we can kind of start the slow climb back to optimism. Yeah. I didn't feel anywhere near as bad about this loss as I did against the Ravens, and I don't know why, because it wasn't as close, and we were behind for most of this game, but I just didn't feel as bad. Do you do you feel that way, and do you really understand why? I do feel the same way. Um, I think the reason why is that despite losing this game by more points, the Chiefs actually played an overall better game, as hard as that is to believe. Yeah. Um... I don't know if we just want to dive right into it, but to me, like, there's one glaring reason why the Chiefs lost. Probably has something to do with that four nothing turnover margin, right? Yeah. yeah. We lost the turnover battle, as I like to say. We got massacred in the turnover battle. Yes. It was a slaughter mm-hmm. in the turnover battle. Uh, four zip. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what the win percentage is of teams that lose the turnover battle by four, but I imagine it's... Below five percent. I think I, yeah, I saw some some next gen stats on Twitter, and it was like somewhere around five percent. Seriously, I thought I almost thought it would be lower than that. You, you've got to have a team basically implode on the other side in order to win the turnover battle, or to win a game with that kind of turnover battle. Yeah, um, yeah. You just if it no matter what you look at after that, or you know, game flow doesn't matter. If you've got four turnovers and you haven't forced any, you assume your team lost, and that is the case. That said, I feel like for most of the game, the Chiefs, if not outplay the Chargers, which you could make a case, they were going blow for blow with the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, it was a very, like, momentum-y game, if I could say that, because... <laughs> very momentum-y. Yeah, very momentum-y. Yeah. Um, it started out, it was all them. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it, hold on now. I, I, might, I might challenge you at that point, because we were driving the ball deep on the Chargers. Yeah. We just kept giving it up. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess it started with us then. We were driving the ball down, mm-hmm. and then we turned it over, mm-hmm. and then we'd get the ball back, and then we turn it over again, mm-hmm. and then we get the ball back, and then we turn it over again. This so is getting a bit repetitive. Three drives, all of which we were moving the ball, and then turned it over in Charger territory. Zero points out of all three of those. Mm-hmm. So they go up, I think it was 14-0 at the half, is mm-hmm. that right? Or no, uh, we, 14-3. We scored, um, we got the, yeah, we scored the, the pity three points. Like a last uh, second field goal there going into the half. Mm-hmm. We get the ball back. We come out, score a touchdown. I think we get a stop. Mm-hmm. Then we go down, score another touchdown, take the lead. So it's kind of looking like now the momentum was all on our side. Mm-hmm. 
And then those pesky turnovers showed up mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And the defense started to break down a little bit. Which I don't I don't know how much I blame the defense. Like quite clearly the defense was at fault for the last game against yeah. the Ravens. They didn't seem prepared for the Ravens. Um, didn't really seem to be playing the right personnel. Some of that still happened in this game, but I thought the defense overall seemed to do a lot better. They had definitely better rushing defense. Yeah, the the rushing was a lot better. I mean, they really weren't moving the ball on us mm-hmm. very well, uh, running the ball at all. Now, my question on the run defense, did it improve, or is it just that the Chargers, unlike the Browns and Ravens, are more of a pass-first identity team and just didn't really feel the need to establish the run as much? Uh, yeah, it's... That's a good point. It's kind of impossible to quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, boy. Let me tell you, people are going to try. Oh, well, maybe we get some more of those next-gen next stats. Next-gen stats. Nothing's unquantifiable. Uh, I mean, it's definitely true that they don't. They are more of a pass-first team as opposed to those other two. And I think that played a huge role in it. Mm-hmm. But also, I think we just flat-out played better, too. Yeah, I thought guys like Jaron Reed and Anthony Hitchens had a lot better presence on the interior. Um my my only gripe with the defense, really, they were put in a tough spot because when your team is constantly turning it over like four times, some of those on very, very short drives, you're going to be winded, especially when you're... Yeah. I mean, they were had a tall order to start with because the Chargers are a good offensive team. They're they're probably a top five passing team in the league, honestly, depending on where Herbert's at. Yeah, maybe so. Um, But the miscommunications in the defensive backfield are just mystifying to me. I don't understand. These guys have been playing together for a while. Most of the guys we, we that played have been seeing, you know, have been in the scheme for a while. And it still feels like we've just got guys catching passes or scoring touchdowns and our, our defensive backs look at each other and argue. Yeah. Now, we do have to acknowledge that we had some injuries in the backfield. Yeah, we started out with one. Right? So we went into the game without Ward, a starting cornerback. Mm-hmm. And then we lost Fenton mm-hmm. um, partway through the game. I don't even know, like, what exactly injury he had, but mm-hmm. he was just kind of gone. So we were out there with like DeAndre Baker, who was not even like at, on the active roster for the first couple of games. I don't think. Yeah, it's a fair point, and I I don't usually think about the difference between like Ward to Fenton and then Fenton to Baker, but I guess that is a pretty major downgrade whenever you are on like your third or fourth corner. Yeah, especially when they're a guy that hasn't had a whole lot of snaps and time mm-hmm. to like you know really get to know the defense in live action. The Chargers de- deployed a pretty great scheme, I think, actually against the Chiefs, where they would hurry up to the line and go. And it felt like the Chiefs' defense either is far too communication heavy with too many shifts and responsibilities, or they just did not know what they are supposed to be doing and required a lot of yelling at each other. But you could see a lot of panic in the Chiefs' defense in certain downs against the Chargers. Yeah. And teams are going to keep doing that until we get it straightened out. So I'm, I'm, I am nervous about... You know, I feel like the, the front sevens may be turning the corner. Um, we need to get healthy in the defensive backfield. But I am nervous about just if our scheme is too reliant on shifts and diff- like communication at the line, if teams are going to take advantage of that by going hurry up. Yeah, it's kind of impossible to know just from like you know being a fan at home watching it mm-hmm. from your couch. That could be the case. I don't really know. All that to say... I still don't really think this loss was on the defense as much. No. And I know it's we don't have to, like, you know, you win and lose as a team. We don't always have to, like, pick a side of the ball that lost each week. Right. But it felt to me like this game had way more to do with the issues on offense. The defense, they had 30 points scored on them, but I think you have to factor in 
you know, the four different turnovers. Mm-hmm. Short if you consider that, it's, it really was not a, a bad performance for them from them, I don't think. I think all we, like we talked about this last week, all we ask of the Chiefs defense is an average performance. And they produced an average performance yesterday. Average which, with a few clutch plays would be nice. Yeah. This, <laughs> this was one of those times where the, the offense was having an off day and was really needing the defense to bail them out. And they did. Some, yeah, to, I mean, we almost, times. we almost won the game. If, if we'd won, then you could say the defense bailed the offense out. Play yeah. here or there. First two drives, they held them scoreless. Yeah. Did they, they did it a few more times, too. We finally got a red zone stop. Mm-hmm. First of the season. So, I mean, Thornhill's starting to play a little bit more. Um, Willie Gay's probably going to come back next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Maybe get Ward back. I don't really know this, the extent of his or Fenton's injury. So... I think there's reason to believe the Chiefs defense will get a little bit better, or that at the very least, the improvement we saw this week wasn't a one-time thing. Yeah, I agree. Plus, the the quality of the offenses we've been facing is about to go down significantly. Yeah, well, these are three pretty difficult ones to start off the year with. Yeah, and bef- you know, before we transition to talking about the Chiefs offense, I'll just say, you know, we when we got the schedule, we looked at those first three games and thought, man, that is a tough way to start. Especially when you've got a new offensive line, especially when you've got new defensive pieces that are kind of, you know, both groups need time to gel and learn how to communicate and <laughs> learning new schemes. Guys are learning new schemes. Uh, I just think it would have been nice for us to go 3 0 during that stretch. Uh, I think it was pretty naive to think that would happen, though. We came close. We've, you know, these all have been one score games. Yeah, you said in our preview pod, whenever you looked at like the first three games of the season, mm-hmm. that you were like, Think we might come out of those one and two. I thought that was crazy at the time, mm-hmm. and I guess that's kind of what happened. Yeah, still I, feels kind of crazy. I just think, yeah, this front the schedule is pretty front loaded, so I think there's reason to believe we can we can improve down the stretch on the offensive side of the ball. It's kind of a you can look at it in two different ways, right? You can say, yeah, the Chiefs moved the ball very well. Uh, Clyde had a great day rushing, had a lot of yards, a lot of first downs. Yeah, uh, Mahomes had some great passes. Kelsey did Kelsey things like he does every week. He's so good. Like yeah. Kelsey's like entering his prime right now. Well, okay, he's been in his prime. His prime just keeps getting better. I okay. guess what I meant to say was like he is like at his peak mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, the complimentary pieces kept doing well because we had a, a big a score from Jody Fortson. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So you can look at it that way, or you can also just look at the four turnovers and just man, what happened? That said, with the turnovers. Are you familiar with... Let's, like, zero in on those turnovers a little bit. Yeah, are you familiar with um, Anna Karenina, the Tolstoy novel? Mm, what now? So the first line of Anna Karenina is that every every happy family is the same, but every unhappy family is unhappy in their own way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my point, as a Russian novelist writing about the Chiefs, is that, you know, every Chiefs victory is the same, but every Chiefs turnover is... Different for its own unhappy, <laughs> its own special random snowflake. Way. Yeah, each of these turnovers was just kind of a, a weird, fluky kind of deal, right? Yeah. Do so you want you want to go through like a post mortem? Let's just rattle them off yeah. here. Yeah. Um. So the first one was Tyreek, right? No. 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 The first one I think was uh, the Marcus Kemp Toro. Okay. So Matador. Yeah. There were so actually. many. I'm having a hard time keeping up. <laughs> so yeah, there was that one where Mahomes he threw a no look pass, which people were like hating him on, hating on Mahomes, not Chiefs fans, but yeah. you know NFL fans hating on him Idiots. for throwing a, an interception on that. 
the ball was a little bit behind the receiver, but I mean, an NFL receiver makes that catch. I think it know? was behind him because he didn't respond to it because he wasn't expecting it. Well, and that might be going around to try to defend Mahomes, but he did not look like he was expecting that pass at all. That might be true that he wasn't expecting it. I would counter with he should always be expecting it. Yes, in this offense. Oh no, I'm I'm not trying to. Yeah, that I think that interception is ninety percent on uh, on Marcus Kemp. Yes. Second turnover, I believe, was Tyreek. Yeah. Yeah. This one was also weird because he caught the ball. He had two hands on it and was going down, and the defender just, like, wrapped up on him from behind. And I don't know if he even meant to do this, but just, like, the way his fist came in just perfectly just pop, got it right in there, and it just popped right out. It was about the least amount of time you can possess a football while still apparently having... Possession. Yeah, it was pretty close to, like, I do think it was a completion, but it was very close to being a incompletion. Yeah, just watching it, I thought it was incompletion. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it, it's a good call, I think. And I, it, that's one of those things, I don't know what you really do differently. Hill had two hands on the ball, there was no way for him to see the blow was coming. He had just caught it and was, like, just moving instinctually. It was just a great play, really, yep. on the defense. Third one, and I hate this because he had such a good game mm-hmm. otherwise. But the third one was Clyde again. Yeah. In a totally different way. Because yeah. this was not a case of someone, you know, reaching in and poking it out because he had one hand on it. It was just, a, again, a bit of a fluky one where he had, I don't remember if he had one or two hands on it, but he had a really good run. He was going down. He was basically tackled, but he, like, as he was falling down, he basically sat on a defender. Mm-hmm. So he technically wasn't down yet. So if he falls on the ground, he's down, no problem. Mm-hmm. But he falls on a defender, and then somebody just drills him in the back. Yeah. And the ball just whoop, just comes squirting out. Yeah, I don't think it was a ball security issue. It just felt like he couldn't get down. Yeah. Like, was, was, it was immobile, but couldn't get down and got fell, hit in a weird Fell way. down and couldn't find the ground. I don't really know if I blame. I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of fumbles that are just going to happen because of weird stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, you you if you're narrative driven, you're thinking, oh, Clyde turned it over again. He's yeah. got fumbleitis. It's like, no, this is nothing compared to what last week was. No, I don't. And it was a different situation in the game too. This was like early in the first half, or at least mid first half. Frustrating, but not as killing as one last week. Yeah, and I really hope he doesn't like. I hope that doesn't get into his head. I hope it won't. It didn't seem to affect him the rest of the game. He had a yeah. really good game from there on out. I'm really, I'm really glad the Chiefs have started running Clyde more between the tackles, which is kind of surprising. It's not, not something you would really expect out of our offense for that to work. But no, but if you, if you watch him in college, then he was more of a between the runners, like taking on the linebackers in the box kind of guy, than you know, like a big outside zone. Let's out, outrun everybody and turn the corner. He's that's just not his style. Yeah. Also, a real thing. Mm-hmm. This may sound goofy, but this is a real take. He is very small. Mm-hmm. And whenever you get him running in traffic behind all those big boys, it's easy to lose him when you're a linebacker oh, or a safety. That is the Darren Sproles strategy. Yeah. Just get behind everyone. It's real. Yeah. It's real. I swear. Um, but yeah, I was overall pretty impressed with the, the offense, except for just the fluky turnovers. Oh, we have one more to cover. I'm sorry. forgot. Oh, was there another one? I, th- I thought we were just thought that was it. You just thought that one kind of blew away? Uh, no, <laughs> no I see one. what you did there. Yeah, the last one, uh, it was Mahomes, and he said during the postgame that he was 
throwing it to Kelsey and basically just kind of thought he was going to turn a different way because you know the way they like Kelsey improvises his routes out there mm-hmm. and he turned in when he thought when Mahomes thought he was like going to turn up the field I guess and it just sailed right into the defender's hands um I blame the win yeah that's my culprit and that one wasn't even terribly I mean it sucked to have that late in the game, but it wasn't a huge swing because it was basically an arm punt on third down. Yeah, it was, a, it was a third and long. So let's say you, I don't know, take a sack, throw it out of the bounds, don't get the first down, and then you punt it. Mm-hmm. You're not really at, you know, maybe you're moving back 10, 15 yards. Not like a huge difference, though. I think the problem was it was two minutes and change when that happened. The Chiefs' defense was at the point where they really couldn't stop the Chargers. At least it didn't feel that way, like they were gassed. Um, it's just you don't want to be handing the Chargers that much, the ball back with that much time and that good field position, obviously. Well, the sad thing to me is this is t- two games in a row now where the offense has been given the ball with plenty of time to go down and win the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, due to fluky stuff or whatever, this is twice now they've been. And unable to do that. I will say, I think of all the people who turned the ball over, I will blame Mahomes the most for this one, just because it felt like he took a gamble in a spot where they really should not have been gambling. I stand by my statement that I blame the win. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it was yeah. only blowing when Mahomes threw the ball, not when Herbert was throwing. I, I do think you're still starting to see some progression by the offensive line. Um, it was a really, really r- rough week for Lucas Niang. Trying to block Joey Bosa. Oh, man. He was getting worked. Yeah, he was. Which, he's a rookie. Yeah. And Joey Bosa is a top four pass rusher. Yeah. We shouldn't really be surprised yeah. by it, but it was like clear that Mahomes had basically knew he had like a second and a half, and then I've got to be scrambling or throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. My surprise <laughs> wasn't so much that Yang was getting worked over. It was that he didn't receive more help from like a Blake Bell or a Daryl Williams or someone out on the edge to help chip or something. And I think they did start doing that a bit in the second half, but it was just obvious that was not working. Like Mahomes was having to bail out most times. Yeah. And we don't like to do that as much. I think it's why we've prioritized having really good tackles in the past because 90% of the snaps, it's Kelsey out there Mm -hmm. and he can throw a chip, but you'd really rather him just be focusing on his route. Yeah. That said, I mean, it was a problem. They needed to fix it. I really hope they just, find a way to scheme around that if he's facing elite pass rush coverage again. What this is really telling us is that Mitch Schwartz was amazing for not letting Bosa be more of a factor in previous Chiefs Chargers games. Yeah, I was telling you this during the game, I think, that like in my mind, I think I've always underappreciated Joey Bosa as a pass rusher, simply because like the last half decade, every time we faced them, Schwartz has just like shut him down. Yeah. So it's like I always hear about what a great pass rusher he is, but when we play him and I watch the game, I don't see him show up. But he showed up on Sunday. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. Overall, though, just a quick note. Overall, I thought the offensive line was pretty good, though. It was, yeah. And I think that's still like the, the biggest driver of improvement for the Chiefs over the entire year. The offense hasn't really looked completely right this year too much. Well, again, yeah, you say, like, hasn't looked right. We've still put up, like, a massive amount of points for, like, an average NFL offense. Yeah, but, but, like, hasn't looked like the Chiefs' normal dominant offense. Yeah, we haven't got, like, where we're just, like, a 40-point 40 40 explosion like we have occasionally in the past. So, 
that said, I was pleased with the balance that we had in yeah. this last game. It's just fix the turnovers. And I don't know if that's necessarily something you can fix. It just felt like kind of a clustering of random stuff happening in one game. But we'll see what happens next week. Um, it was just kind of like the old saying, like, when it rains, it pours. Exactly. It was like if you have one or two of those a game, those kind of fluky turnovers, you can usually get by. Sometimes you can't. But when you have, like, you know, three or four of them, it can be hard to overcome. Well, and credit the Chiefs for almost overcoming that massive deficit. Yeah, it, it really is crazy if you go into a game saying, we're going to lose the turnover battle 4-0. to It is crazy that you would keep that within a touchdown. I mean, there was a point at which they had the lead after losing the turnover battle 3 to nothing. It's pretty impressive. All right, so having talked about the offense and the defense in detail, are you ready for game ball, blame ball? Um, I do have another discussion to have about the offense. Should mm. I save that for afterwards? or should No, we get go for now? it. Get it out. Okay, when you talk about the way that their defense was playing against our offense, mm-hmm. They were playing, and I don't really know if there's a name for this type of defense, but it's something that a lot of teams are doing right now. That's kind of like from the like Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley kind of tree of defensive schemes, where basically it's completely designed to eliminate explosive plays. Mm-hmm. So it feels like it's kind of a like a bit of a reactionary thing to the way the Chiefs and some other teams have been playing in recent years, where it's just like this super high-flying offense. And the strategy is basically, we're going to give you all the stuff underneath that you want, and we're going to make you go the length of the field, ninking and dunking on us and running the ball. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I thought the Chiefs played really well against that. Romo kept calling it a keep a roof on it. Yeah. So we're just called the roof defense. That's the the kind of folksy announcer way of saying it. But yeah, yeah. Is this really new though? Is this, this just sounds like Ben don't break to me? Um, there is nothing new under the sun, Andrew, <laughs> as I'm sure you're aware. Especially in football, this is always you know copied from somebody somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's like relatively new. And I guess the the counter to that is okay. Burn them with West Coast offense and power running, right? If they're going to yeah. give you light box, they're going to put four cover four deep, then just smash it in their faces. Basically, from their perspective, they're wanting to make the Chiefs' offense win in a way that they don't really want to normally do, which is with a lot of like short passing, running the ball, just kind of matriculating the ball down the field. I see. I feel like that's a very narrow-minded view of the Chiefs' offense. Because, man, you go back to Alex Smith, Joel Charles days, that was what we did. Yeah. Was short passes and run game. So the idea that you're going to solve Andy Reid's offense by, you know, having four deep guys and cutting off the big plays. Yeah, we, you, you know, you, we might not score on the deep plays as much. Now, this, the genius I can see behind that type of, or I guess just the benefit of that type of defense is you make the Chiefs run more plays, which increases the chances of goofy mistakes which has been the case the last two games. Well, that's the whole thing. That's like kind of the psychology behind the defense. And again, it's really not that different from what other teams have been running in the past, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. the whole like strategy is make them run a whole bunch of plays, make them execute, and just kind of hope that they screw up. And that's what we did with the turnovers. Yeah, like like we've talked about, I think that's going to even out. I don't think that's really like a we've solved the Chiefs offense now. Well, let me... Let's think about it this way. Those three turnovers where at the start of the game, mm-hmm. 
all three of those were on drives where we were moving the ball really well. And we were like down in their territory when the turnover happened. Mm-hmm. So let's say we don't turn over the ball on, you know, on all three of those drives. And we'll, we'll give them the one Mahomes interception at the end. But mm-hmm. say we don't turn the ball over on those three drives. Let's say like really conservatively, we score a touchdown on one of them. We get a field goal on another. And then we don't score on the third one. Ten points win. It's ten points. And you win that game, you know, somewhat comfortably. Yeah. So it, it really is like, <laughs> you're going to hear this a lot this week and it's kind of annoying, but it really is as simple as don't turn the ball over and you win. Right. And that's a dangerous way to play to me for the other team. From their perspective? Yeah. Because you're just, you're not going to have a, it was probably about 50-50 turnover. Like 50% of our drives ended in turnover. That's not going to happen most weeks. No. Yeah. No. You can't rely on that. Yeah. I hope other teams see this and think, okay, all we got to do is play two guys deep and then we're fine. Yeah. Anything else on that? Don't think so. Okay. You ready for a little bit of a little bit of blame ball handling? Yep. We forgot to do the blame balls last week because we were a little pressed for time. But this week we have all the time in the world to I'm, give out as many blame balls as we want. I'm just going to go ahead and retroactively hand all of my blame balls to Daniel Sorensen for the Ravens oh, lost. What? Yeah, he can go ahead and have all of them. Okay. I. Whatever. I think Chiefs Twitter is piling on him, but I think there was a lot of blame to go around. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and let you have the uh, the inaugural blame ball of the 2021 season. Who would you like to give it to? Um, I have a very special blame ball to give away to start off with. Mm-hmm. I'm giving the blame ball to all four of the balls that got turned over. Like the actual pieces of cow skin and air that got turned over. Look, a football is more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, each football is getting its own blame ball from me for being turned over. I think you are calling football some of its parts, but yeah. Um, so the sentient footballs and their treacherous behavior. Yeah, I mean, they, they betrayed us. It's like the uh, the ring on Frodo's finger, you know? Mm-hmm. They betrayed him at the critical time. It's this the is, same with the balls. They betrayed like, us. This is like deflate gate, but like on a whole other level. Yeah, no, I'm... I am blowing right by that level of conspiracy where I'm blaming the ball themselves. The footballs are alive. The footballs themselves are against us. This is actually, this is the NFL's fault for putting the computer chips in the balls. That's yeah. what made them sentient. Yeah. Yeah. Turn it against us. It's Goodell's fault. Yeah. So that's okay. Wild. So I'm going to give my blame ball to a person. Oh, all right. Uh, that's a Whatever. bold choice. Uh, let's see. I'll start with the offense and I'm going to give it to Lucas Niang. I don't really think it's fair. But if, if Niang wants to, he can also share that blame ball with whoever sets the protections for the Chiefs. You can just like, oh, this isn't mine. Here you go, Andy Heck or Eric Bieniemy or, I don't know, maybe it's Creed Humphrey. Someone. Yeah, I don't have anything smart to reply to that with. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking, like, you know how whenever, like, a rookie like scores his first touchdown and, like, they save the ball. I'm like, oh, this is my yeah. rookie touchdown ball. This is your rookie blame ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the ball that you get. Whenever you're a rookie, you get worked by a, you know, star pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, do you have another one ready, or I, I've got one? I don't know. I actually didn't really prepare any. I'm sure I can uh, think of some. Typical Jonathan, not prepared. Yeah. Um, well, I think what this means is I passed the blame ball baton over to you, and you just completely whiffed on it, which is a great segue to my next blame ball, whenever Marcus Kemp was supposed to oh. receive... You're giving one to him? Yeah, I am. He missed the actual ball, so maybe he'll catch the blame ball. Oof. 
I just I, mean, I, I hate that play anyway. I know it's not something anyone thinks about, but just not only did you not catch it, but you basically had an assist to set the interception. It, it was a touch pass to uh, the defender. It's one of the most demoralizing plays a wide receiver can have. Yeah. And that, what's a shame is you know, I don't really have too many. I'm not a huge Marcus Camp fan to begin with, but well, the man's like our what, like sixth, seventh wide receiver. I don't yeah, know, and this know. was your shot at glory. Patrick Mahomes was throwing you a no look pass, and you basically turned it over. Yeah, I was mad during that play, not because he threw the the no look pass. I was mad that it, like got turned over because it would have been such a cool play if he had caught it. Might have got a touchdown. Like I said, I'll give ninety percent of that blame to uh, Kemp for. Dropping it, or for you know, dropping it would have been fine. Bouncing it to the defender. Uh, and so wait, where's that other one percent? Ten percent is going to Patrick Mahomes for throwing too good of a no look pass. Too good, faked at his own receiver. Oh my gosh! So yeah. you're giving like the leathery part of the ball to Marcus Kemp, and then you're like stripping the laces off. You're like here you go, Patty. Well, see, I'm not thinking about this in terms of actual footballs. The um, blame ball is. I am completely fixated on the balls themselves. An abstract concept to me, but. No, they're very, very real to They're you. very real over on this side of the table. Yeah, okay. After all that nonsense, did you have time to think of another blame ball? Uh, yeah, I've got another one, and my balls are very divisible. I'm giving this one to the entire secondary for the communication issues that they were having. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'm um, not smart enough from like a football sense to tell you what those communications were. I just know that they looked very like confused and ill-prepared on certain plays that ended up with like long passes or touchdowns. Yeah, it's like this. Um, defensive back strategy is about like, I don't know, lacrosse strategy or something like that. How or, so? I don't know, soccer. Or it's just like, I have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, similar in the sense that you have no idea what's going on? Yeah, like I know what man <laughs> versus zone is. I know what cover two versus cover three is. But in terms of like, this was your man, then you were supposed to hand him off to this guy, and you were supposed to cover this portion of the field. No idea. All yeah. I know is, I know um, when it doesn't work, mm. whenever like you get the, the, the defensive back turning around and be like, what's going on? Um, <laughs> and I know when there is clearly communication issues, where it's just like, that is a blown coverage. So, I, I, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I know it wasn't supposed to look like that. <laughs> So you can't define it, but you know it when you see it. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. In that very limited application, yes. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you have any more? That's that's all I had. Um, you know, I could always give one to Dan Sorensen, but... Was he bad this game? Any... I, didn't, I didn't even know. He wasn't good. Know. Oh, okay. He, he had like a... Did he have a sack? That was last week. Yeah. He had at least one good play. But we can't... Oh, wait. Yeah, he had a... Um... A pass broken up in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if if I could, I would definitely give a blame ball to the def- or to the referees because oh my oh. gosh, oh man, like the double standard on pass interference throughout this game was terrible. I don't want to spend too much podcast time talking about the refs because that's just losing mentality. But it just felt especially egregious this game. I'm just going to point to one thing real quick because mm-hmm. you could point to like the pass interference on. Um, Hill at the with the hill, with the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. I generally like like the refs to keep their flags in the pockets in those situations with mm-hmm. the Hail Mary because you you don't want every game to end that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to focus on one, the fourth and nine at the, right at the end of the game where the Chargers need to score to go up. 
And if they don't get it, they give it back to the Chiefs. Maybe we can go win the game. And fourth and nine, throws the ball, looks to be broken up, and there's a flag thrown. And they call a passer interference on 49, who's Dan Sorensen. Mm-hmm. And Romo's confused because he was convinced, like, they screwed it up and they meant someone else because mm-hmm. he wasn't even near the play. The cameraman was confused because he apparently, like, couldn't even find where it was. That is just, like, the most frustrating thing in the world as a fan when there's, like, a critical play, like a game-deciding play, and there's a flag that gets thrown. And it's just, a, like, a total phantom penalty where you have yeah. no idea where it was. Yeah, I, I still don't know whether that was the right call or not because no. I've never seen evidence of it. No, and I'm sure like all 22 Chiefs, Chiefs Twitter will get a hold of it at some point, and mm-hmm. we'll, maybe we'll figure it out. But like for right now, it's like we played that well, we got a penalty, and I have no idea why. But much like the turnovers, um, they tend to cluster and tend to even out over time. So I'm not like I'm not blaming the refs. I don't think refs probably wouldn't even take a blame ball. They'd just be like, uh, what, we'll, what is this? We'll force, no. it. we'll force it upon them. I'm going to penalize the, the Chiefs Stick on your behalf bag. for giving me this blame ball. Yeah. Flag on you, Andrew. Yeah, that one that one flag in particular annoyed me. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like, are you, are you feeling generous enough to go out game balls this week, or is it just blame balls? Uh, no, we only do game balls during wins. Okay, but hypothetically, if you were, can you, if you had a hypothetical game ball to give out, who would you give it to? I don't know, like the offensive line, maybe. I'm going to give mine to Clyde, and he's, you know, presuming he doesn't fumble it, because I honestly think that if we've got a chance of beating that uh, Brandon Staley roof on an offense and raising the roof, whoop, whoop. it's a good thing now. Yeah, raise the roof. It's going to be by this offensive line and Clyde figuring out how to run like truly game-breaking Smash Mouth football. When we Whoa. Need it. Yeah. The Chiefs? Running we'll have the to ball? do it. I th- we've got the personnel to do it. Effectively? We're going to face the fronts to do it. We're talking like like Clyde 150-yard rushing per game type of type of games. I think those are coming. I really do. Especially when it comes against lesser opponents trying to do what the Chargers, who have one of the best defensive backfields in the entire league, did to the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think this is kind of a hilarious point where we are as Chiefs fans, where the idea of like running the most like basic like running up the gut that ground game kind of offense actually excites us because mm-hmm. it's like such a change of pace from the you know high flying offensive touchdowns and stuff that we're used to. Yeah, but yeah, that that would be awesome, and it would it would unlock like a new dimension to this offense. Yeah, because if here's what you really want to do if they. Pull that kind of defense on you, which I think most teams have in the past and will continue to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just run it on them until they have to go away from that, and then you can boop, pop a big play on them. I mean, I feel like really that's how the, away. I feel like that's how the Patriots played the Chiefs two years ago in the AFC Championship. Yeah, no, they did it a or little more ago. uniquely. As a for the Chargers, it's all about like playing their defensive backs really super deep and letting mm-hmm. no one get behind you. I think the, the Patriots hold on now, like. Juan Thornhill, Daniel Sorensen, Tyron Matthew, try that defense where we don't let anyone get behind us. Ah, it's great. That, uh, yeah, that would yeah. be nice, wouldn't it? Just take one that from our opponents there. <laughs> Seal shamelessly. Take some notes. Yeah. Uh, with the Patriots, their thing was more about like jamming them at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and then like double teaming our best players, which a lot of teams are going to do that on Tyreek now. No, all of this, to me, makes me think we need to 
stop kind of being naive as Chiefs fans about the quality of our team. I don't mean that as, oh, the Chiefs suck. Oh, the Chiefs are not as good as we thought. Sounds pretty negative. The Chiefs were never going to be like considerably above the rest of the NFL in terms of talent and production. That happened for a while. But that was it, it was it was naive of us to think that was going to be the norm forever. That no one was ever going to figure out what the Chiefs were doing. That we'd never have to shift away from our scheme. That we'd never have to develop personnel in different ways. That we're going to win comfortably every week. I think last, especially last year, we got very spoiled on the one possession games. And and this week, it's this year, it's been more like turnover randomness. Like we won on turnover randomness when Baker Mayfield's throwaway got picked off. We lost on turnover randomness when Clyde fumbled against the Ravens and whenever you know Mahomes had the, air, the arm punt against the Chargers or that fourth and nine phantom pass interference call. There are just random things that are going to flip either way with these, uh, with these 50-50 games. And especially whenever you have a new offensive line and relatively new defensive pieces and are still figuring things out, when you play top-tier teams, you're not going to necessarily win every 50-50 game like that. It's just to be expected. Yeah, I agree with your overall point. Um, I know a lot of people have been chirping about how the Chiefs have like had a won a lot of one score games last year, and they're going to regress this year. My favorite word, regression. <laughs> um, I will just counter with again. I don't really like. I don't completely disagree with like the fundamental idea there, mm-hmm. but I will say like all of those one one score games were not really one score games. You know, those games where we were up pretty comfortable by two or three touchdowns and we kind of let them back in because we went to like our prevent offense. Yeah, but we lost that kind of game against the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I just, I don't, maybe we're like zooming way out here. I still think the Chiefs are a very good team. I'm not worried about them being like average and like, oh, we're just going to, you know, 50-50 on every game now. I'm not Mm -hmm. really worried about that. I think if anything, you're seeing the Chiefs take one step back, two steps forward with the offensive line and the defense, especially the offensive line. Yeah. We saw them make a wholesale change with the knowledge that it would not be maybe as good for the first four weeks of the season, but they'd be better come January. Hopefully that's what's happening right now. I was listening to a podcast that Mitch Schwartz was on, and he basically had the same idea that I had, which made me feel good. But basically his point was that, and this was like after the Browns game, Mm -hmm. and his point was like the offensive line was not great, they weren't terrible, and... um, He's saying that, like, if this is where they start, and that's theoretically, like, the worst they play all season because they'll get better each game as they play together more, get more experience, then by the, you know, middle to end of the season, they should be looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. So there's a a reason for optimism. Yeah. I I mean, if you're, again, with Bill Parcells, if you're concerned about the Chiefs losing more than two games and regressing this year, yeah, that's probably going to happen. If you're thinking about the Chiefs in terms of like postseason production and making it back to the Super Bowl and being in better position to pivot away from their strategy of you know big plays if they need to, it feels like the Chiefs are building a more resilient team this year than they had last year. I know that's kind of hard to get your head around, but hopefully it's more flexible and uh, won't get quite as stuck in their way of doing things. And it's not like this is totally new to us. Like you heard um, like Mahomes and Reed talk about it a lot last year about mm-hmm. the the need to be able to win games in different ways. And what they really mean is whenever they're not going to give us the big play, we got to win with the short plays. Mm-hmm. So I think they know what they got to do. And I trust 
you know, Reed and Mahomes and company to figure it out, basically. Yeah. I mean, we know who Mahomes is. We know how, who Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill are. I think the question of, you know, how good is the Chiefs offense going to be this year going to be on the rest of the offense and how much those ancillary pieces can perform whenever Kelsey and Hill are getting shut down and how much Clyde can help put the game away. Yeah, I agree completely. Because, like, as much fun as it is to watch, like, in the Browns game, um, Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill just dominate the game, you're going to need production and support from, like, outside of those three players on offense mm-hmm. to really be good. Speaking of ancillary pieces, I don't know where you're going with this. The Chiefs <laughs> picked up an ancillary piece today. Late breaking news. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Chiefs have signed um, a receiver who has been suspended more than he has played by a wide margin mm-hmm. in wide receiver Josh Gordon. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any advice for new, newly minted Chiefs receiver Josh Gordon? I do have some advice, and here it is. Stay off the weed. Who are you, Snoop Dogg in a green room? I mean, what what the hell is going on? You want to sit there and stay on the weed? And stay off the weed. Millions of dollars, and you can't stay off the weed. All right, did you get that? Yeah, that was a uh, that was some pretty intense advice there, Jonathan. Yeah, I don't, I I don't like know who that was, but... channeled another individual completely. Yeah, you know, sometimes that's just... It, it comes out of me, you know? I yeah, appreciate you speaking from the heart there. Yeah. Some, some good advice to so, the new Chiefs. Something we should all follow. Something we should have told Dwayne Bowe back in the day. Oh, was he into that? Uh, sometimes, yeah. That was kind of before my hardcore fandom. Yeah. So, to me, this fits the Brett Veach mold very well, which is just, if you can take a no-risk gamble on a talented player, you do it every time. Yeah. And that's what this is. Uh, I can't imagine this, there being any, any risk to the Chiefs other than reputational, but at this point, if Josh Gordon gets suspended for smoking pot... That's on him. That's not surprising anyone. Yeah. Which are they, would be like, are they even testing for that now? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't smoke pot. Like the attitudes. Well, I mean, I don't mean like you. I mean, <laughs> I mean the NFL. Like, I feel like um, their attitudes on that has changed. I don't hear about it happening with guys near as much, so maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of at the point, and I I'm a known Josh Gordon skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think it's really going to be anything significant. But if it is, it'd be awesome. Now he he him coming into the league probably predates your football fandom, or at least your interest in football. Yeah, fandom. I don't. Who even drafted him? The Browns. Oh, that makes sense. And they drafted him in the supplemental draft, <laughs> which for our listeners who don't know is where you can. You can basically spend a third-round pick on someone in the supplemental draft, but this happens in, like, I don't know, July or August or something for players who, for whatever reason, were not eligible for the NFL draft. Can you guess why Josh Gordon wasn't eligible, eligible for the NFL draft? Was it the uh, weed? It was indeed, Stephen A. <laughs> um, so he, he, <laughs> he lit the league on fire. Ah. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, man. You're just so funny, you almost couldn't get at your own Walked right into it, yeah. <laughs> um, did, yeah he did really well. He, he profiled very similar to, like, a DK Metcalf. Like, he was that level of talent when he's coming out. So he's, the, like, a big dude? He's, like, 6'3", 225, very okay. fast, probably more agile than, than DK. Um, good hands coming out of Baylor. He played with, like, RG3. 
And yeah, he was supposed to be amazing, uh, but just could not. Combination of couldn't stay healthy, but mostly just could not keep off the weed. Just constantly getting suspended. And it became like this this joke where it's like he would he would be reinstated and then suspended like two weeks later or something. Yeah. Uh, switched teams a couple times. I think he. I I thought he played for like six or seven teams. Now, honestly, I did. But I went back and looked. He played like four seasons in Cleveland. Uh, played a couple for the Patriots and then played one for the Seahawks. And his last production season, I believe, was 2017, 2018, somewhere in there um, so for the Patriots. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Like, he might not even be, like, that dude anymore. That said, he's, he's like, 30. Just physically speaking. Yeah. So he's, like, the same age as, like, DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. Um, I don't really know. No one knows how his skills, you know, he hasn't played in the NFL, I don't think, much at all last year. So no one really knows what his skills are like. But he's, he's in the past, had the ability to come back from one of his many suspensions and perform pretty well immediately. So the, I think the physical ability won't really be the question. The question will be, can he learn the offense quick enough to make an impact this year? Yeah. And the answer is probably no. Uh, yeah. The answer is probably he might make an impact next year if he can uh, stay off the weed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I think it's going to be too hard to learn Andy Reid's offense over this course of time. Well, they're going to put him on the practice squad. Right. Until they, if they, you know, think he's ready to go, they'll elevate him. Mm-hmm. My take on it is we didn't give up any draft capital to get him. No. I don't know what the contract details are, but I'm assuming we're giving him peanuts. Basically. So, I mean, what's the risk? None. There's basically no risk. I know he's got, like, the weed thing, but it's not like we're... It's not like you're signing like a someone worse stuff going on, like an Antonio Brown or something. So I don't think there's like a reputation risk either. So I mean, whatever. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, who cares? Yeah, honestly, I'll be amazed if he takes meaningful snaps away from McColl this year as the like the number two option, the wide receiver. But we'll see. Yeah, pure upside. Anything else on the Chiefs? Recent acquisitions, offense, defense. Um, I guess I just wanted to, as a last like general thought. Want to re- reiterate what I said last week, which I still stand by, and that I think like pretty much all of the problems that this team has right now, especially in regard to the like the turnovers, are like very fixable. And I don't think this is like a, a situation where you need to like you know we don't need any like radical overhaul of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. We just need to you know execute, play fundamental football, don't turn the ball over. We'll be fine. We'll be winning again. No you, time. You sound like a football coach. Yeah, I mean it. We're gonna fix it, those issues. It sounds like coach speak, but it's really not. It's just like you know, gonna get in there and have a great week of practice. Just, just get out there and play better, you know. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so I guess I'm I'm pretty optimistic. This doesn't like change our postseason aspirations in my mind drastically. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of you knew that like adversity was gonna come at some point in the season. Um. I guess it just kind of came early this year. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of, again, kind of learning, learning how to be you know, one of the league's best teams is we've, we've been talking about these September stats for so long. Andy Reid hasn't lost in September. Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost in September. They have an insane record with, you know, stats during September. Who cares? No one ever wins September. Um, I remember the Patriots constantly like having mediocre records in September and, and everyone just kind of gave them a pass. Cause like, well, of course they're going to be ready by January. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought I think maybe this season will go is, you know, the Patriots for years there, they would come out looking very meh all through mm-hmm. September, maybe even a losing record. 
And then they would, you know, figure it out, get better, then they're in the playoffs like they always are. Yeah. And that said, I think the national narrative is going to be like very negative Chiefs this week. They're going to be kind of like all, yeah. all the sour grapes from the Chiefs, Chiefs having, you know, beaten the Bills and the Browns last year and having won the Super Bowl the year before. They're kind of coming home to roost right now, I think. I've kind of I've poked and prodded around a little bit my normal NFL spots, and I'm actually kind of surprised at how calm most people have been. People that aren't like, you know, the hot take artist. Mm-hmm. I don't see a whole lot of people being like, oh my gosh, are the Chiefs bad now? It's more of a lot of people do like admit that like this is kind of a situation where the Chiefs keep beating themselves with the turnovers. But man, if we lose next week, that's all going to come out big time. So better not lose. It's a can't lose, I think, next yeah. week. A little preview of our preview podcast. We are going to do preview of the Chiefs Eagles. Which is next week's game? Andy Reid Bowl. I think I'm I'm pretty intrigued by it because I don't really know what Jalen Hurts is yet. Hopefully, we'll find out a little bit tonight whenever the Eagles play the Cowboys. Well, a little advanced scouting. I don't want to get too much into next week, but mm-hmm. I got some bad news for you. What's that? He's a very mobile quarterback that can run the ball. Is he Lamar Jackson? I think he might be like Lamar Jackson light. We'll be so... okay. Then. I'm only concerned about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, in that sense, there's only one Lamar Jackson in the league. Exactly. We've already played him. Well, Kyler Murray's kind of like that. No, he's different. Whatever. (laughs) All right. So, uh, a little around the NFL. Yep. So, change in pace now. So, I I will start off with a question for you. Oh, boy. Um, It's not a hard question, but I was just wondering, like, after a Chiefs loss, Mm -hmm. in your mind, is it, like, more fun to watch other NFL teams play? Like, especially, like, you got a noon game, so you lose, and then you get, like, the 3 o'clock games and Sunday game. Are those games, like, more fun for you? Because you're like, ooh, it's a fun distraction from the Chiefs losing. Or is it more like, oh, I don't, I hate football right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. watch this. You know, I said at the top of the show that um, I I had a very different reaction to this loss. I didn't, wasn't as down. I uh, just overall thought the Chiefs played better. Last week, I didn't want anything to do with football. And that was on Sunday night, so... You know, but there wasn't another game on later that day. That is the worst time to lose a game, by the yeah, way. Sunday really night, is. you lose Sunday night, the game's over, you feel sick, and guess what? You got to go to go to yeah. bed immediately. It's like wake up and go to work on you, Monday. Blah. As the lady says, you've been waiting all day for Sunday night, waiting all day, and then you kind of you know you've been looking forward to it, but then after you, the Chiefs lose, all the Sunday scaries come down at one time. Bam, ten o'clock oh, at night, man. and then you realize you are twelve hours away from work. <sighs> That sucked. Yeah. yeah. Not dwelling on that anymore. No, with the Chargers game, um, I I didn't even go take a sad nap, I don't think. I think I just went right oh. back and like, uh, I think I took just a normal nap. Just a yeah. <laughs> status quo nap? I, I did eat like a couple more chicken fingers just to kind of wash it down. Yeah, comfort um, food. But then, yeah, I watched the Bucks rams which is a great game. It helped me, I think, in my soul to see Tom Brady lose. Yes. Yeah, that kind of helped easy things up a little bit. Yeah. I am like 100% in the realm of like I'm rooting against them at all times solely yep. because they beat us in the Super Bowl. And I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to keep doing it. And then, yeah, the uh, the Packers-Niners game. That was a great game. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed those fully. Um, I even didn't really care when they showed like the highlights of the Chiefs game. Like, yeah, that happened. But I think part of the, part of the difference here is that the, the narrative is different when the Ravens beat the Chiefs versus when the Chargers beat the Chiefs. 
when the Chargers beat the Chiefs, it's like, hell, maybe, you know, maybe there's a little bit of rivalry going on here. When the Ravens beat the Chiefs, it's like, Lamar's the best quarterback in the league. Uh, the Ravens have the Chiefs number. Yeah, I've been, I've been hearing some of that with Herbert. Oh, that's way too early. Yeah, which I mean, he is good, but there was like, and you know, Remo was doing it quite a bit too there at the end. Where it's he's like, good. Don't get the, me wrong. The, yeah, he is good. I don't, I don't know if I'd call this a rivalry yet, outside of you know, regular divisional stuff. Yeah, but no, just like the 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 narrative just uh, exhausts me with the Ravens losing to them. So I was I was more just like, don't talk to me about football after that game. Yeah, this game was just kind of like, okay, yeah, another week. For me, I I thought I would be like more excited to watch the other games, but then I found myself being I don't know, just like it didn't quite hit the same after you know a Chiefs victory. You're like, oh yeah, football is the oh, best. Well, there is nothing like the Chiefs winning early, and then you watch like another football game and just be like, ha, yeah, these suckers are not as good as the Chiefs. There's Chiefs, nothing. Chiefs should own both of these teams. Yeah, you like you beat like a divisional opponent in like the noon game, and mm-hmm. then you go watch like. The other two divisional opponents lose in the three o'clock games. That that's the best, right there. I will say this: whenever I was watching the Packers Niners, I think it was I don't know whose secondary it was, but I remember watching the defensive backs and being like, "Man, they're really good." <laughs> and what it felt like was when I used to watch like Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, be like, "Man, I wonder what it'd be like to have a good quarterback." Yeah, because I'm watching like Elvis Gerback or Tyler Palco or some crap. <laughs> so now, yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching like. DeAndre Baker get roasted, and then I'm, I have to flip over to these other games and see confident pass defense and be like, man, I wish we had one of those. <laughs> Someday we'll get it all together. We'll figure it out. Do you have any uh, any individual performances or games you'd like to call out? Uh, just like from the whole NFL? Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that the Ravens, the team that beat us last week, very nearly and arguably should have lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. If it were not for a 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. Who, some might say, is the Ravens' best offensive player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He won the game for him. Do you think he's the best kicker of all time? You know, that debate doesn't matter enough to me to register a response. <laughs> That's all like right. asking the best punter of all time. Who the heck cares? Best punter of all time. Yeah. Um... The answer is Louis Aguiar, but you, that is way too yeah, way too old is. for you. Um, see, I was I I deeply enjoyed the like couple minutes there or whatever. Whenever the Jaguars were beating the Cardinals, and everyone was like, "What the heck is going on here?" Because I was that was amazing. Well, they had the uh, what a bizarre thing they kicked a super long field goal right before halftime, mm-hmm. and it came up short. And the return man grabbed it because you can do that on a you know kick, uh, on a field goal if it comes up short it's like a punt you can grab it and go mm-hmm. so he grabs it there's zeros on the clock you know it's score you get, get tackled no nothing else, nothing in between mm-hmm. and then he takes it back to the house six points so I mean it was wild yeah they ended up winning anyways because you know the Jags are terrible but yeah. were there any results that surprised you let me think. Oh well, the um, the Bengals really put it to the Steelers. Yeah, old man Roethlisberger's looking pretty washed. Yeah, it must be said. Yeah, I think he, I think he might be done. I mean, they've they've gotten beat. I guess no, they beat the Ravens, which is amazing. Now looking at it, how did that happen? No, they beat the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Bills. Bills. Yeah, yeah, they beat the Bills. So the Bills have a transitive loss to the Bengals. Now. Hey man, I told you Mirage Week. <sighs> yeah, 
It's looking like that was a mirage. Uh, a surprising result to me was that it took deep into overtime and some goofiness for the Raiders to lose to the two of Dolphins. Yep. I just don't think they should get much credit for that win at all, other than for pulling out a victory over a much, much worse opponent. Yeah, I think they should get... They got a win, but I think they deserve a tie, at least. I mean, their quality win at this point in the season is against the Ravens, right? Well, yeah, and the Steelers. But, I mean, I don't know if you want to call that quality anymore, but... I just don't really know how good either of those teams... I know the Ravens beat the Chiefs. I feel like they were playing way, way, way above their level against the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I buy the Ravens more than the Broncos, but I don't buy either of those teams. I don't think either of those are playoff teams. I think, wait, you mean in terms of making it to the playoffs? Well, okay. With the new crap rules, um, three wild cards. I think you're, this is another, another hot take. I'll get off. Right, right Fire it off. I think all of the wild card teams come from the West divisions this year. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm built in both conferences? Yes. Wild. You know, actually, Literally when you think wild. about it, it's not that wild, really. It's Especially... going to be Niners, Cardinals, Rams from the NFC West, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders from the AFC West. Yeah. That feels pretty reasonable to me. Here's a question for you. Okay. Um, in the AFC West, mm-hmm. who do you think is actually the best team in there, aside from the Chiefs, who is obviously the best team, even though our record is not? Demonstrate that right now. Who do you think is our best opponents? In the AFC West? Yeah. Chargers. Really? Definitely. Okay. I'm amazed that it's even a question for you. Yeah, I thought I think it's a, a question you could pose. Well, who? In my players? mind, I think, I said it last week, I'll say it again. The Broncos are frauds. Yep. All three of their wins have come against teams that are combined 0-9. Mm-hmm. They beat like literally the you know dumpster divers. They're punching of, down basically. What you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Which I know like the whole like you can't pick your teams. They got to play who they have. I'm just saying that like in my mind they might as well be zero and zero. Yeah. And I don't really believe in Teddy Two Gloves. I'm just I'm just not ready to give the Raiders that much credit. I'm not. I think in my mind it goes Chargers. I don't know. I think the I think the Raiders might be better than the Chargers. Actually, oh boy, no. I'm gonna go. We're gonna we're Raiders, gonna, we're Chargers, Broncos. In my mind, we're gonna put this take on ice and bring it out like the end of the season. We'll be like Jonathan, remember that time that you thought that the Raiders were better yeah. than the Chargers? Now, don't get me wrong. I am like fully hoping they go like full Raider mode and just like lose some baffling games later in the year. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We shall indeed. All right. Any other around the NFL? I'm sure I could think of some more. We are pushing it on time. Oh, okay. Over an hour. Uh, just real quick. Okay. Do you blame uh, Justin Fields or Nagy for the horrible Bears offensive output? Uh, similar to the kicker question, I don't care enough to answer. <laughs> All right. I do feel bad for Nagy a little bit because I feel like he got put in a bad situation but then did nothing to make it better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't even really know what to think about. That whole deal right now. I kind of wonder. Okay, we'll take a second here. I wonder if the lack of success from Matt Nagy and uh, the since fired um, Doug Peterson has hurt Eric Bieniemy in his job quest. It hasn't helped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That's all I had. Anything else you want to bring up before we uh, before we kick it off? 
think we're pretty well good. All right. Well, we'll have our preview of the Eagles-Chiefs game uh, coming up, probably dropping on Friday morning, so you can listen to it on Red Friday. Other than that, we'll see you later. See you later. Goodbye, although I'll cry even a shame. My chill fell at rain. Even a shame. You won to play. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chiefs Bros. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Chiefs Bros. We'll talk to you later.